today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. That's one of the reasons why the Pharisees concluded that the cleansing of a leper will be something that the Messiah will do when he comes. Because God gave this procedure in Leviticus 13 and 14, and then they never had to use it. And so they concluded, well, this must be for the time of the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, the Messiah will cleanse lepers, and that's when we're going to use Leviticus 13 and 14. And so then Jesus came, right? And Jesus cleansed lepers, multitudes of lepers. Jesus' healing of lepers was much more significant than we often realize. On top of being a beautiful restoration that physically demonstrated the healing he brings to our souls, it was a clear sign that he was the long-awaited Messiah. This was obvious to the Pharisees, and it definitely got their attention. But as Pastor Dan will point out in today's message, Jesus' disdain for their loyalty to their man-made laws and rituals angered them and made them blind to who he really was. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 9 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He looks like him. And he said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes open? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus. I love that phrase made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and received sight. Then they said to him, well, where is he? And he said, I don't know. And they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. And this is where we pick up the story today. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And then the Pharisees also asked him again, how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. 
Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. And they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him, he will speak for himself. And his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, the religious leaders. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we don't know where he is from. And the man answered and said to them, why, This is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins. And are you teaching us? And they cast him out. And Jesus heard that he had uh, cast that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? And he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into the world and those that those who do not see may see and that those who see may be blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see. Therefore, your sin remains. So just just to give you some context here as a reminder, um, This miracle, it takes place in Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, Chapter 8 ended with Jesus in the temple there in Jerusalem. And in chapter 8, Jesus clearly identified himself as God in the flesh. If you look back in chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus said to the crowd there in the temple, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was I am, and I am, as we've said before, 
is the Old Testament covenant name for God from the book of Exodus. So Jesus declares that he's God, that he is I am, that he's Jehovah. And the audience that heard him say this, they understood that he was claiming to be God by this statement. And they rejected it. They rejected him as God. They rejected his claim of deity. And so in verse 59 of chapter 8, they take up stones to throw at him, to kill him for blasphemy. And we see in verse 59 that Jesus left. He leaves the temple. And as he leaves the temple, on his way out, he heals this man born blind. He heals this man born blind. And, and I want you to note here in verse 1 of chapter 9 uh, that the passage uh, makes a point to emphasize that this man was blind from birth. He did not become blind at some point in his life. He was born blind. He has congenital blindness. And, and that, that has brought up a couple times in this chapter that he was born blind. And that's an important detail to the story. It's important because the, the religious leaders of Judaism taught that congenital blindness was the judgment of God on a person or on his parents or her parents. That's what they taught. Now, that's not, that's not biblical. I want to be clear on that. That's not what the Bible says. But they taught that a child born with a birth defect or congenital blindness in this case that it was the judgment of God upon uh, either that child uh, because the child sinned in the womb or on the parents because the parents sinned. And that's why the disciples asked in verse 1 of chapter 9, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because this was the common thought of the day. Again, it's not, it's not biblical Uh, But this is what people thought in that day. This is how they explained and understood birth defects. Well, there must be sin. And so they asked the question, well, who sinned? Was it the parents who sinned or did he sin before he was born? And that's why he's born blind. And of course, Jesus says, well, well, neither. Neither of them sinned. It was neither the man nor his parents that sinned. Plus, the the, the religious leaders, and specifically the Pharisees, and I want you to note that, it's the Pharisees, they also taught that only God can heal someone that is born blind. They taught that only God can heal someone that is born blind. And they get that uh, primarily from Isaiah 35, Isaiah 61, where it talks about when God comes, uh, he will heal the blind. The blind will receive their sight, the deaf will hear. The mute will sing. The lame will leap when God comes. And, and kind of the, their thinking went sort of like this. Uh, they believed that the, the congenital blindness was the judgment of God for sin. Only God can for, forgive sin. So only God can give sight to someone who's born blind. Only God can lift that judgment off of that person's life. So... I want you to catch the flow of what happens here because it's pretty cool what Jesus does. Jesus claimed to be God while he's in the temple. He said, I am. The people rejected his claim of deity. They pick up rocks to stone him to death for blasphemy. Jesus leaves. He exits. As he's walking out, he heals a man who's born blind. Something only God can do. 
and their theology. Boom. Isn't that awesome? I love it. You know, like just as he's walking out the door, it's bam. He heals this guy doing something that only God can do. And that that creates a big issue now for these Pharisees because he healed a man born blind. And they've been teaching that only God can heal someone who was born blind. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m., I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. Now, and I want to I point out too for you that uh, healing a man born blind was, was really one of three specific miracles that the Pharisees said the Messiah would do when he comes. It's one of three specific miracles that the Pharisees taught that the Messiah would do when he comes. They actually kind of created two categories of miracles. There were, there were miracles that God could empower anyone to do. You see other people work miracles in the Bible, for example. But then there were these three miracles that they said, only the Messiah will do this. And, and again, it's, it's, not, it's not something necessarily biblical. This is just what they taught. This was just part of their theology, that they had these three miracles that they said only the Messiah would do when he comes, one of them being healing someone born blind, the other two being healing a leper and casting out a mute demon or a demon that has made a person mute or unable to speak or communicate. So healing a man born blind, healing a leper and casting out a mute demon. The Pharisees taught these three are something only the Messiah, only the Messiah when he comes will do. And what's interesting to me is, is that was that was their teaching. That was kind of their theology. It's not necessarily biblical. There's nothing in the Bible that says only, only the Messiah will do these things when he comes. Uh, but Jesus accommodated that, and he performed those three miracles. That's, that's, you know, that's what they were looking for in a Messiah, and Jesus accommodated those three miracles. And I, I want to show you uh, just a couple examples of these miracles. Uh, we've got the man born blind here in John chapter 9, but I want to show you the other two, the healing of a leper and the casting out of a mute demon. And I want to show you specifically how the religious leaders responded to those miracles. So let's turn, first of all, to Luke 5. The way that they respond uh, to these particular miracles is is, uh, very significant. The the response is um, stronger than the response to other miracles that Jesus performed. And so here in Luke chapter 5, we have uh, the healing of a leper. Uh, and, and in the Old Testament, in the Law of Moses, in Leviticus chapters 13 and 14, God gave the priests very, very specific detailed instructions on the procedure 
that they were to do, the offerings they were to make uh, when someone was cleansed of leprosy. For two chapters, there's these instructions of the offerings the priests were to make when someone shows up at the temple that has been cleansed of leprosy. And no one, listen, no one from the time the law was given to Moses until the time of Jesus, no one on record was ever cleansed of leprosy. No one ever showed up at the temple claiming that they were cleansed of leprosy. The priests never had to do that procedure. They've got it there in Leviticus 13 and 14. God's given this uh, instruction. But no priest from the time of Moses until the time of Jesus had ever made that offering or gone through that procedure for a cleansed leper. That's one of the reasons why the Pharisees concluded that the cleansing of a leper will be something that the Messiah will do when he comes. Because God gave this procedure in Leviticus 13 and 14, and then they never had to use it. And so they concluded, well, this must be for the time of the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, the Messiah will cleanse lepers, and that's when we're going to use Leviticus 13 and 14. And so then Jesus came, right? And Jesus cleansed lepers, multitudes of lepers. And you remember on the one occasion in the Gospels, he cleanses 10 lepers at one time and sends them away. So here, here you know, they, they have, uh, you know, they have these, these, these commands in Leviticus of what they're to do when a, for a cleansed leper. No person shows up from the time of Moses. Then Jesus comes on the scene, you know, and they've got a line of people now at the temple claiming that they were cleansed of their leprosy by this man named Jesus. In Luke chapter 5 here, we have an example, uh, and, it, and it seems that this is the first leper that Jesus cleansed in his ministry. At this point, Jesus is in the Galilee. He's in the city of Capernaum. Luke chapter 5, verse 12, and it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man, it says, who was full of leprosy, saw Jesus. So this man's full of leprosy. His body is consumed by leprosy, he's in the advanced stages. Probably at this point, his, his body is greatly disfigured by the disease. And he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and his body's restored. Verse 14, and he charged him. Now watch verse 14. He charged him to tell no one, But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, the priests, just as Moses commanded. Jesus cleanses this leper and then says, go show yourself to the priest down in Jerusalem at the temple as a testimony to them, to the priests. What's the testimony? The Messiah's come because you've taught that when the Messiah comes, he's going to cleanse lepers. So now go and show yourself to the priest as a testimony to them and make the offering for a cleansed leper from Leviticus 13 and 14. No priest has ever made this offering before that. And now lepers are showing up cleansed at the temple, wanting to make this offering. It's a testimony to those priests. Now look at verse 15. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Now look down at verse 17, what happens next. 
Now it happened on a certain day as Jesus was teaching. Look what it says, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. It wasn't just a few Pharisees from the surrounding towns that came to listen to Jesus. They came from all over the country to the Galilee. And they came from Galilee, from Judea, from Jerusalem, up to Capernaum. Why did all of these religious leaders from all over the country suddenly show up to hear Jesus? Because he cleansed a leper. And they've been taught that the Messiah will cleanse lepers. So now they're all showing up because of this miracle to investigate. Now, let's look at uh, the casting out of a mute demon. Uh, We're going to turn to Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 12. Again, this is another one of those miracles that the Pharisees said only the Messiah will do when he comes. He can cast out a, a mute demon or a demon who has made a person mute and unable to communicate. They had people that could cast out demons at that point. Uh, so that's not something new. But the way, that the, the way that the priest cast out demon is they had kind of this ritual that they went through. Part of that ritual was communicating with the demon that was in the person. And asking the demon his name. Remember, Jesus does that with the demon-possessed man of Gadara. What's your name? And he says, Legion. That was kind of the formula that they followed to cast out a demon. So if you have a person who is made mute by the demon, uh, then, that, then they're not communicating. So they said, hey, only the Messiah is going to be able to do that when he comes. Again, it's not necessarily based on a Bible verse, but that's just what they taught. And Jesus, Jesus accommodates that. So Matthew chapter 12 Verse 22, it says, Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind, and mute. So he's mute, he's blind, he's unable to speak, he's unable to see. And Jesus healed him, just like that. No ritual, no not saying anything to him, he just heals him. So that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. Now, look at the response here of the crowd who witnessed this miracle. Remember, they've been told by the Pharisees that only the Messiah can do a miracle like this. So look what they say in verse 23. And all the multitudes who were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? That's a messianic title. Could this be the Messiah? Because you said when the Messiah comes, he's going to cast out mute demons and Jesus just did this. So could this be the Messiah? So now the Pharisees are in a situation where they've got to respond to this question. They've got to answer this question from the crowd. And they can give one of two answers. They could say, yes, this shows that Jesus is the Messiah, just as we told you. Or they could say, no, Jesus is not the Messiah. Well, wait, you said the Messiah will cast out mute demons. That's what he just did. Well, if they say, no, Jesus is not the Messiah, then they've got to come up for a reason why he was able to cast out a mute demon. He asked me how I know, and I say, Bring truer than the finest crystal. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan Sexton today to study the book of 1 John on Ring of Truth. This New Testament letter encourages its readers to grow in faith, to set aside personal agendas, and unite in a pursuit of God's plans. The author wants those who follow Christ to experience Him fully 
as well as experience the beautiful gift of a church community. Having a body of believers around you to support and encourage you in your personal walk with Christ is important. You'll also find that a body of believers is somewhere you can be Jesus' hands and feet to others. Are you part of a church? If not, we want to encourage you to find one soon. If you're in the Baltimore, Washington area, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just a few minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. You can find out more at our website, calvaryec.com. You can also give us a call for more information. Our phone number is 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're honored to be able to share God's Word with you through each edition of Ring of Truth. If you'd like to listen to additional teachings from this series, you'll find them at calvaryec.com. That's all for now. Join us next time for more on Ring of Truth. Recognize the hands that crack